Ezekiel chapter 37. You just got to love it when people move things, don't you? Ezekiel 37. While it's true that men have died on the battlefield to preserve liberty, to, de- to deserve religious liberty, to give us the privilege and freedom to be able to gather to hear without men or women with guns at the door, checking you in or persecuting you for being here. I'm convinced that that all comes with a price. And the price was paid, and that's why we face and why we experience Memorial Day. The, propri- the price was paid when my third cousin, who didn't know that when he entered into his bomber that day, and when he took off to do, go on to a routine mission, that my cousin would not come back. His plane was not found. His body was not found. And we just, it's all been a question for us the, for the rest of our lives and for the years. But he was heading out protect you and me. He just didn't come back. You see, the blood has been shed across this land by the heroes, the military heroes, and the battles that's been fought. We definitely do not want to forget. We always want to recognize, but you know what? There's a freedom that I see in America that's slipping away. And I want to talk about that freedom today because we're a part of that. And you have, you're either standing firm on a solid foundation with Jesus alive in your heart, living the truth of the Word of God daily, or you're standing or sitting or lying defeated. And I want us to see that because when we come to this chapter in the Bible, Chapter 37, you saw a visual of verse 1. The Bible says that the Lord took Ezekiel in a vision, and he he took a hold of me, he says, and I was carried away by the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, and he took me to a valley filled with bones. The bones were the bones of a past memory of the children of Israel. The children of Israel began and were freed, but then the Bible says they had their captivity by the Babylonians taken away. And so it looked like there just was no hope. It looked like that all was coming to an end. Verse 2 says, he led me around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered, as we saw on the video. They were scattered everywhere, all across the ground. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, I got news for you. I'm not Ezekiel. And I've been out into the woods, 
and I've been out with my gun, and I come across all kind of bones. How many of you seen that out in the woods where you come across a pile of bones, and, and you look at that, and you go, my Lord, what were that bones up? Now, some of you are smart enough to know that every time you see a certain pile of bones, oh, that's a deer. Now, I believe if I saw a human skull, I'm not that dumb. I believe I'd say, now, that's a body. Or it was. And, and some of you know the difference between pig bones and dog bones. But here, Ezekiel was taken out. And he was shown a valley full of scattered, dry, bleached, white bones. And then Ezekiel was asked by the Lord, can these bones live? He said, O sovereign Lord, you alone Know the answer to that question. Verse 4. He was told to speak to the bones. You dry bones. Get up. You're fixing to be revived. I think about that. And man, I'm forced as a pastor to think about today. I think we face today dead and dry bones on the battlefield when it comes to the church. Now, I can't answer for you, but I know there's times and seasons in my life of where there's been dry. You say, what does that mean? That means I, when I, I preach every week and I'm still teaching oftentimes on Wednesday night and I do a Bible study and I read the Bible, but all of a sudden I find myself in a dry spell. You know the difference between enjoying and have the joy in your life and being excited about serving the Lord, being excited, being in the ministry that God's put you in, and then when you dread, when you dread even being part of it, and everything seems distant. When Ezekiel came out on the valley of dry bones, and we looked at the bones, he saw that they were scattered. He saw that they didn't make any real distinction. The Bible says that those bones were dry. Scattered, dislocated. You see, there's a battlefield scene here where there was evidently a big battle, a a, a large uh, campaign went on, and many, many people died. When you think about bones, what do you think about? Well, in this passage, a bone was a relic of life. It was a memory of a life that once was. My wife and I had about five things we had to do last night. And the last thing we had to do was to go by the graveyard and put a flower and a flag. Make sure a flag and a flower was on my mama's grave and my dad. And all, I looked out in that graveyard and I thought to myself, man, 
there's a bunch of dead people here. We went to Cindy's grave, and or not her grave, her, her dad's grave. Well, we actually stood on our grave yesterday. But when we looked out, I thought to myself, how many in this graveyard is dead? And I realized, other than Cindy and I, every one of them were. They're all dead. Graves filled with dead bones. As Ezekiel looked at it, the Lord placed him in this valley, and he said, Ezekiel, I want you to think about this. I want this to I want you to see the seriousness of this. You know, there was a time that I was called back to my home church that was dying. She had just about give up the ghost. And they call a Tennessee boy to take that remnant of dry bones and do something with it. We head off to Conyers and have doors slammed, and then we end up in Covington to have another couple of opportunities not come about. And finally, we're in my living room preaching in my living room. Often Sunday after Sunday, I felt like I was preaching to dead bones. It didn't seem to be alive. It seemed to be dead. I know exactly how Ezekiel felt when I stood before them Sunday after Sunday. When I talked about one day we're going to be in our own place. One day we're going to be growing looked at them and they looked at me and said, do we really believe this? Now, my kids loved it. They got out of bed, put the clothes in, on, and slid down the hallway and they was in the sanctuary. Didn't have to go anywhere. Those are memories of the church. As 30 years ago, I think about Solid Rock. You know, dead bones are a museum of the past. And we can't live in the past, can we? I look today at our home life. And I'll tell you what I see as a pastor I see families crumbling all around me. I'm not so sure that there's not some of you in here scratching your head, trying to figure out, how are we going to work this thing out? There's no joy in our home. There's, there's, There's conflict in our house. Cindy and I went yesterday by a lady's house. I love her to death. And she told me her testimony. I went to change her filter and her air conditioner. And, and she was 72, I think she said, 72 years old. And she said, Mike, I wasn't always praising Jesus. 
I had a struggle in my life where in my arm went a needle. I said, you? You shot up? You were on drugs? Come on, I don't believe that. You're praising God. You're telling everybody how much you love Jesus and how excited you are. And you wake up with Jesus every day. You shot a needle in your arm? Boy, you're going to have to give that testimony to our ladies. And she survived. But she said, Mike, there was a time in my life that I was a dead man. I was a walking dead man. All I had was skin on my bones, but there was no life in me. And when I look at the family today, I wonder. It's one thing for you to come to church and smile with me and, 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 and just try to look good, but what goes on in your household Monday through Saturday? What will go on in your household this afternoon? In America, I'll tell you this, in America, we're in trouble because I'm seeing the family almost become to a point where it's not long, I think, is going to be a memory for the world around us. Again, I don't see a whole lot of joy in families anymore. I don't see a lot of happiness. I don't see a lot of discipline of the kids anymore. I look at the school systems today, and it's a serious thing what's happening in our schools. I mean, thank God for CLC. Thank God for the Christian Learning Center here in Covington, that, but that doesn't affect but a small percentage of kids. What about all the other kids who are caught up in drugs and sex and, and all the other things and, and morally we're going down the tubes. Somebody brought back by a bill and I, I wished I'd have, uh, maybe y'all, some of you can, we can dig into this and see how true this is. But the bill is saying that if pastors, if they pass this bill, pastors have to do homosexual weddings. And that means that we have to take our bathrooms and also make them to where both can go into the same bathroom through transgender people. You say, that'll never happen. It is happening in some of our schools right around us today. You just don't know about it. You're not finding out about it. I'm wondering of the theologian who said, we're living in the Laodicean age. Do you know what that means? The word Laodicea means we're in the the state of lukewarmness. We're making Jesus sick. And it's not because we're against him. It's It's because... We're, and it's not because we're truly in there worshiping. We're in the middle. We're dry bones. I wonder today. 
as I think about your life and mine. Have we gotten so busy in our businesses and in our lives? Have we got so busy that God can't use us around us? And I'm not talking about you're not doing a good work. I'm talking about when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing on your mind? What's the first thing you do in the morning? Is it off to school, getting showers, getting all busy, going, and, and, you, find, and you find yourself not thinking about the Lord? You find yourselves not having the time to spend five minutes with your thoughts on God. You got all these idols in your life. And, and, and let me ask you something. The very thing that keeps you away from you being close to the Lord, is it going to matter when you die? Is it going with you into eternity? I don't think so. Can these bones live? Ezekiel preached with the word of God to the dead bones. Does God want to send revival? You know, I love the passage, and, and I want you to hear it in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God says, and if you and I will turn from our wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. Will anybody say they don't see that our land is sick? Everywhere around us, there's sickness. Sickness toward the Word of God. A, a sick attitude toward the church, toward Christians. Today, if you and I stand up against anything that's morally wrong, we're God haters. We're not God haters. We just stand up for the truth and against that which is wrong. Notice in verse 3, God said, Son of man, can these, bone live? can these bones live? And, and Ezekiel said, God, only you know. And as, as he looked at it, I can't imagine what Ezekiel was thinking. When I think about revival, I think about taking a passage on a Sunday morning and being able to preach the word of God to you. And all of a sudden, you fall under such conviction That you just can't stand it and you flood the altars and you give your heart and life to Jesus either in commitment or in salvation. And God now can can rely on you and he can trust you that you will share with your lost friends the Lord Jesus. But I'll be honest. When I preach that, I feel like many of you and maybe even some of you, it don't mean anything to you anymore. You think world psychology is going to solve the problem. You think that 
the government assistance financially is going to solve the problem. You think that government is going to work out all of our problems when our government is just about fixing to financially close its doors. I want to tell you something. The thing that I believe is going to wake up America is when you and I get hit in our pocketbooks. And I'm not talking about with taxes are going up. That's already happening. I got called over to the to the commissioner's meeting the other night, gladly went, and Marcel Baines asked me to come and open up with an invocation, but he said, before you do, why don't you share something that's gone on with your church? I said, oh, my goodness. I got so nervous. Have y'all ever been over in the old courthouse and stood I got on the wrong side when I was ready to speak. He said, no, you need to turn around and face us. I said, oh, Lord. They just spent 25 minutes arguing over the, the budget and how they need money for, for upgrading health care. And I said, well, there's an open door. So I stood up and I looked at him. I said, it's very true that we're living in changing times. There's no question about that. And I said, and I know all of you are concerned about money. All of you are concerned about the budget. You want the, 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 uh, you want the employees of Newton County to get the best insurance. And, and I got that. <laughs> I said, for the last 13 now, I think it is, Ed, going on 14 years, we've had a free medical clinic in town. And yeah, we have to look at the budget when you give free health care, but we've got 12 doctors that come and give some of the finest care that you could get in a free medical clinic. And I said, and by the way, if any of you board members right now lose your insurance, call me up. We'll see if we can't get you in. You know, the fact of it is there are not very many people in this land that want to serve the people. Not the people that can't afford nothing. You see, you and I are supposed to have a spirit-filled life. We're supposed to have a servant heart. The Bible describes us in in the chapter 36. I want you to look at that and listen to these words. Chapter 36, verse 26 says this. I will give you. A new heart and a new, and with new and right, listen to this, right desires. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your old stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. Do you know why we get dry? As believers, because we're not obeying what God says in the Word. When you cease to obey, you immediately are disconnected. You are immediately plunged to the battlefield of dry bones. I don't know if you know what dryness feels like, but it ain't fun. 
especially when you pastor in a church. Again, what I'm looking for is dry bones that are brave enough to stand up. Because you see, Ezekiel, he preached and proclaimed to the dry bones, but then something began to happen. The Bible says the bones begin to shake. Then all of a sudden, the bones began, they, they began you, you saw it, they came back together and they stood up. A skeleton. That would scare most of us half to death. And then the Bible says all of a sudden, he said, Ezekiel, cry out to the four winds. Cry out for the breath. You know what the breath is? It's a Hebrew word called rock. It refers to being spirit. Ezekiel, cry out unto the spirit. You know why most of us are deader than a hammer? Because we're not obeying the Holy Spirit of God. Your agenda and my agenda is what we push, not God's agenda. God had a plan for Mike Franklin's life. God has a plan for every person's life in here. And if you don't follow it, you're being disobedient. The Holy Spirit will show you, I promise you, I wasn't born in Georgia. I'm not as smart as you are. I was born in Tennessee, so I'm a dumb hillbilly. And I was born up in the mountain area, so I'm supposed to limp one leg shorter than another, right? But I'll tell you what I want to do for my life. I don't want to listen to my plan. You see, I don't have a good plan. My plan don't work. I want to hear God's plan, and I want to follow him. The Bible says all of a sudden the bones came together. All the sinews and all the muscles and the tissues and all of the flesh came together. But the Bible says those bodies lie there lifeless. You want to see a picture of the church today? We're lifeless. Ezekiel was told, preach. To the wind. Call forth on the Spirit. The Bible says until the Holy Spirit comes in. That's what I just read to you. In verse 26, the Scripture says, when you and I get saved, that God puts a new spirit in us. A new heart. He takes away the old stony heart. The old heart of sin. And He gives us a new heart. And a desire to please God. Many of you are following the paychecks. Many of you are after just the dollar. And while it does take money to live, I'll agree. If that's all you ever do. And you never serve Him. One day you're going to stand before Him, the Bible says. And you're going to have to give an account of every idle word and every idle deed that you ever done or ever spoke or ever thought. Some of you are going to get there by the skin of your teeth, but you haven't done one thing for Jesus. You don't have a desire to. 
the Bible says, you and I are supposed to be a great and mighty army. For who? Me? No. For Jesus. We're supposed to go out into this world and make a difference because he made a difference. One man. He came and made a great difference. In his name was Jesus. I can just imagine the excitement in Ezekiel's heart when all of a sudden he's preaching to all these dead bones. And then all of a sudden, these dead bones came alive. In Genesis, the Bible tells us when God created man, verse 7, that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Adam was laying there deader than a hammer. He had everything he could have ever wanted except one thing, life. The Bible says that God blew into the nostrils of Adam life. The soul of man, the soul and, and the heart and, and the, the passion of God, the life of God went into Adam and he became alive. Did Adam disobey? Sure he did. Did Eve disobey? Sure did. And now Adam's Adamic nature is passed on to every person that's born into this world. It's the sin nature. You and I have no problem with sin. You know what we have problems with? Following Jesus. Being led by the Spirit. I guarantee you that some of you are dry right now. I'm talking about as believers. You believe right now if you were to die, you believe you'd go to be with Jesus. But I promise you, there have been several times like diets. You have made a promise that you're going to get into the Word of God, and you're going to read the Word of God, and you're going to study the Word of God, and it only lasts about a week. This is the hardest thing in the world to stay in. You want to know why? Satan don't want you to know it. He doesn't want you to be free. He wants you to stay in bondage. He wants you to stay unhappy. He wants you not to feel like you have power. He wants you to feel dry and that you're disconnected and that, you're, that, you, that you just feel like, good night, where is God in all this? Satan wants all that going on for you. When we see in this passage, what God wants is for you to be alive, to stand up and be an exceeding great army for Jesus, and to be used by God. When you get depressed, when you get in the dumps, when you get down, that's the last thing on your mind. Is serving Jesus. There was a man 
that most of his life he spent in his life drunk. He spent all of his time as an alcoholic. He became a believer and he was once asked, how could you possibly believe in all of that nonsense about the Bible and about miracles? A friend began to challenge him and he said, surely you don't believe that Jesus changed the water into wine. He looked at that man who he alone had not drawn a sober breath until he gave his life to Jesus and started working on his problem. He said, I sure do because Jesus changed whiskey into furniture in my house. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I should be changed individuals, but we won't be changed if we're not going to obey him. We're not going to follow him if there's no prayer time and no hunger to know who Jesus is. We're not going to feel like we're, we're about the, the Lord's business when we're unwilling to witness. We're going to feel disconnected and dislocated. We're going to feel distant when we just simply no longer care. I think it's sad but it's still the truth that we live in a land and we live in a day where the believers are dry bones. The story, and I close with this, was about the late Hank Williams Sr. Hank Williams, by the way, for you that have to have all the points, go ahead and give them up, Jody. I didn't, I, got, I didn't get caught up in the points. I got caught up in the message. Hank Williams Jr. was famous for one song, and we sing it all the time. What is it? I saw the light. Okay? Hank Williams got depressed. Hank Williams couldn't get out of it. And one night, the band said, we don't know how to get Hank Williams out of his out of his spiritual or out of his stupor. And so they began to sing a few stanzas of I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No man. Well, I don't even know how it goes. No more in darkness. No more in light. All of a sudden, stop! Stop! He said, I can't see the light. I can no longer, I can't see the light. And he began to weep. Ladies and gentlemen, when is the last time that God has moved your soul? When is the last time that you've been stirred? Not because you want to make more money. Not because you want to go work on a worldly job. But he stirred you because of your sin. He stirred you because you're not serving him. He stirred you because you're not standing as an army 
a mighty great army. You're standing as dry bones. Your head bowed. Your eyes closed.